Hello, welcome to another episode of Proof Beyond Reason. I am Geology, and with me today is Mike the Baptist. That's me, friends. Oh, man. Another week, man. Another week. Another week. We're, we're killing these, uh, these snacks here. Uh, shout out to the farms that are out there, I guess. Uh, Archer Farms and uh, Pepperidge Farms. These snacks are delicious. They're the airplane snack food, but it was good. I needed it. It woke me up. You know those cookies that you were talking about, the soft ones? Milano's. Milano's. If you do not know Milano's cookies, you are missing out. Man. Right now, I'm kind of like in a diet, but for my cheat day, now I know what to get. That's it. With some milk on the side. Oh, man. Shout out to our sponsor uh, for this episode, Matthew Movement. Wear what you believe. Visit MatthewMovement.com for more information. Check out their clothing. Very, very nice clothing. Um, and uh, and also, I mean, I'm not wearing it, but I have a shirt that I've I had from Matthew Movement several years ago, and that's still my favorite shirt. I, I rock it. Some. Yeah, I rock it, and um, and it doesn't wear out. It's, it feels great. Uh, so today, jumping right into it, slavery. Slavery does in the, the Bible. Yes. Does the Bible endorse slavery? Um, we'll find out. We're going to talk about it. Uh, it seems to be a, a hot topic. For the last few years, the skeptics have just been going around and saying that the Bible endorses slavery and that Christians are stupid. Um, so we're going to find out. That's or that the Christians themselves support slavery since we support the Bible. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, let's dive right into it. I um, found a have to go back to, to our boy, Hank Hanegraaff. You know, shout out to Hank. And, uh, and he wrote a little excerpt. Let me read this and then we'll, we'll chop it up. G has mm-hmm. a bunch of info. I have some information. And, and if you want to hit us up, if you want to be part of the conversation, please get at us on our Facebook, um, Proof Beyond Reason, and leave, a, leave us a message, send us a comment, whatever you want to do. Also, our iTunes, if you're listening on iTunes, yep. you can probably leave a comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, SoundCloud as well. YouTube, YouTube, leave us a comment on YouTube. Yep. Definitely would love to hear from you and, uh, and be part of the conversation, or if you want to email Email us at proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. So let's do this. Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer man, says this. Does the Bible promote slavery? A myth propped up by secular skeptics is that scripture sanctions slavery. Nothing could be further from the truth. First, it should be noted that far from extolling the virtues of slavery, The Bible denounces slavery as sin. The New Testament goes so far to put it to put slave traders in the same category as murderers, adulterers, perverts and liars in first Timothy one ten. Furthermore, slavery within the Old Testament context was sanctioned due to economic realities rather than racial or sexual prejudice. Because bankruptcy laws did not exist, people would voluntarily sell themselves into slavery. A craftsman could thus use his skills in servitude to discharge a debt. Even a convicted thief could make restitution by serving as a slave. Exodus 22. Finally, while the Bible as a whole recognizes the reality of slavery, 
it never promotes the practice of slavery. In fact, it was the application of biblical principles that ultimately led to the overthrow of slavery, both in ancient Israel and in the United States of America. Israelis' liberation from slavery in Egypt came, became the model for the liberation of slaves in general. In America, many are beginning to wake up to the liberating biblical truth that all people are created by God with innate equality. We find this in Genesis chapter 1, Acts 17, and Galatians chapter 3. Good stuff. Yep. The So, Orthodox Jews, which, which you know, the Hebrew culture... Mm-hmm. Uh, is where Christianity stems from. Jesus was a Jew. And their view of the Messiah today, they don't embrace Jesus as the Messiah. Now in Israel, there are many who do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they understand the, and they affirm all Orthodox and, 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 and the like. They all endorse and they all recognize Jesus from the historical context based on what we spoke about, but they see him more as a revolutionary that failed. So he tried to reform and he failed, hence his execution. They don't see what he did as a means of announcing his position as Messiah. They see him as, again, a revolutionary that failed and Thus, he's not the Messiah. So they're still waiting on the Messiah. And the reason why they don't see him that way is because they're waiting on a Messiah, a political Messiah, a political movement that would essentially, you know, a president, someone who's going to step into office, work with other countries, uh, bring peace and restitution back to Israel, call everyone who, who... uh, is all Jews who are no who are not in Israel call them back to Israel in this political type of reformation. Jesus didn't come for that. Jesus came to save people from eternal damnation. That was his objective. Although the the things that he did had a political impact in the culture and the, and the people would challenge the the political position of the time he didn't necessarily come to be rebellious against the the uh, those who were in power at the time particularly rome and we see that when the jews test him when they ask should we pay our taxes jesus said you know do you have a coin give me the coin they gave him the coin jesus looked at the coin and he said whose picture is on this coin they say caesar and what he, his reply was, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to him. Well, if on the, on the coin, the image that appears is Caesar's, on us, the image that appears on us is God. We are made in his likeness and his image. So, so Jesus is saying, give to God what belongs to him, which is you. You belong to God. Give yourself up, up to him. And, and, and they missed that. They didn't see that. 
until to this day, all the Orthodox Jews don't see that. Uh, what they see was, okay, this guy is not going against the government, so he must not be the Messiah. When his objective was for the souls of men. His objective was so that we would be saved, so that we could have relationship with God. We were enemies of God because of the fall, and now um, we have been made new through the rebirth that is found in Christ so that we can have relationship restored with God. So we were no longer his enemies, but that we can be uh, his children. And it's a position that now we can obtain that was not previously attainable by works. Mm -hmm. So Orthodox Jews will do that based off of works. They will work their way into a place where they say, well, God, you owe me heaven. You owe me enlightenment. You owe me paradise. Whereas Jesus says, I paid for the, I'm, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The reason for that, because we're his enemies. <clears throat> and so we need the advocate. Um, and I say all that as, as a preface because I think the mindset of those who are not uh, Jews but who are skeptics, and I would say even some of the skeptics are Jews. I think, I think some of the, the leading skeptics of today are not necessarily atheists, but they're Jews that are trying to disrupt the Christian um, growth, the Christian pursuit, uh, what Christ has done. And, um, and so because of that, in this issue of slavery, there's you know, word going around that, well, God must endorse slavery because he clearly is not calling for a rebellion against it. He's clearly not, in the word, he's not ha <clears throat> saying that, you know, slavery's wrong and so we need to denounce slavery. He's not calling slaves to be disobedient while they're in slavery. Um, he's, he's not calling them to run away. He's saying be obedient to your master. Uh, we're, and he's actually calling them to be sh even more. He's saying be good, like work hard. Mm -hmm. Show yourself approved. Be a be a good slave, and so I find that interesting because our culture, just like Orthodox Jews, are looking for that political Messiah, looking for the one who's going to come and, and and raise things up. And just like Hank Hanegraaff said, the reality that God had freed Israel from slavery, there was a particular intent to build his peoples, to build a nation under God. Hence the reason why the revolt out of slavery. But there were other people that were slaves as well. Mm -hmm. So God didn't abolish slavery as a whole. He freed those whom he chose to be his people. But slavery as a whole continued in Egypt. That didn't stop because Israel made their exodus. It continued. Uh, I think... I think the misconception is that God is a political God that operates through political order. Although, yes, the scripture does say, scriptures do say that he is the one who lifts kings and he brings them down. Um, 
government is in place for a reason and so on and so forth. But that wasn't God's original intent. He, the original intent was he was king. He was president. He was the one that you obeyed. Uh, instead, man wanted to be like the pagans. And so he's like, you want a king? You want a leader? You got it. You want government? You got it. Here you go. That's what you want, right? So here you go. And these are the things that will happen as a result of you not keeping me as the one. Here you go. You want a medium? Here you go. Mm-hmm. And hence what we have today. So I think when it comes to this issue of slavery, when we focus on it, that's kind of the, the, the foundation and the backdrop that we have to realize is that we want, as people, a political reform instead of uh, what God brings. And to better describe, the Bible talks about two forms of slavery. The first one, slavery, as we discussed uh, previously, is a servant or bond servant who was paid a wage. So we have, based on a matter of social status, they would be in debt. And like me and Mike talked about before, they, were, they did not have bankruptcy laws. So what they would do is they would give themselves up to someone and use their skills or skill set to pay off their debt. So this can include they can be married, but still they would be taking themselves out of their normal standard and putting themselves in the sense of servitude. Or just how if we were to bring it into modern days, we go to school, we have our career already established in the means of learning our skills, but what do we do to earn an income to support our family? We go in servitude and work for that company and get a way to have wages. That's a good way to um for modern. But then we have also the second one, which is what usually we confuse it, which was the enslavement of an individual without pay, meaning they got kidnapped or they were taken based by race. And I can go through history. We have the Code of Hammurabi, which discusses harsh, uh, harsh slavery, Egypt with the Israelites. We have even the black, the Moors, enslaved the whites during the conquest of Spain and Portugal for over 400 years. And we also have modern-day slavery, where we have today some countries still have it. Previously in America, we had the blacks and the whites. And we usually tend to, just because it affects us to a certain standard, because a certain person claims they're a Christian and upholds to slavery in itself, we automatically assume that the whole Christianity accept slavery right so you'll watch movies and and in the movie it's always the slave owners always Mm -hmm. like pushing the bible on them and and so as a result of what we see historically where maybe those people were claimed to be christians and they push the agenda of christianity um doesn't necessarily make them real believers of jesus but Instead, they use the Bible as a as a means to control. Mm-hmm. And I think any philosophy, any system of thought, any religion can be used to control people. Let's not get it twisted. Even, I mean, even bylaws or policies from work or or government laws or whatever you want to call it, it can things can be used to control people to to manipulate people. Uh, and, and and the Bible is no different uh, where you can twist realities of what Scripture is saying in mm-hmm. order to control people and influence them in a certain direction, which is something we'll look at in a little bit. 
Now, just to note, the Bible does condemn race-based slavery. Uh, scripture declares that all men are created by God and made in his image, just like Hannigan said in Genesis 1.27. And just to take note, this is some of the consequences that God himself uh, would issue upon those who use slavery in the wrong context or in the wrong way. We have those enslavers as uh, those the Bible reveals is abhorrent to God. Anyone who kidnaps another and either sells him or still has him when he is caught must be put to death. Exodus 21, 16. And that's grave. Like, we have those people back in the days. You can talk about uh, George Washington. You can talk about uh, Thomas Jefferson. You could even talk about Abraham Lincoln at the time. Where it's like, oh, uh, they had slaves. There were Christians. And they fought against slavery at the time. But they still accepted it because they were Christian for a moment until they decided to uh, to free or for a purpose other than like to advance in the country. But then you also forget that they take some things out of context in speaking about certain things like that. We can look at what Hebrew and Greek words say because I usually always like going, especially now since I'm in school in uh, Hebrew, the meaning of the word or the word itself has meaning. So we can go to what the words use for slaves, but it represents uh, servitude or bond servants, which we have Ebed, Abad, Shifsha, Ama, Dulis, Sundulas. These are words. That no mean, idea what Gio just said. No clue. The, <laughs> these are words in Hebrew and Greek that means servants or bond servants. Not the slaves that you think about uh, where you're getting whipped or. Things like that. These are people who actually had a debt to pay. So they would go. They would serve their masters. But it wasn't the servitude like, oh, if I disobey, I'm going to be put to death. It was a servitude of making sure that everything was paid for so you can take care of your family. Let's not get it confused. And let's not go jumping out of context. I know, Mike, you talked about uh, an article you read where this website, they said that Jesus apparently was uh, saying that he supports beating of slaves. Yeah, there's this website out there. It's called evilbible.com. So I'm not endorsing this website. I'm just bringing it to light because I'm sure people have come across it. And it is a whole lot of horse crap. So what the website tends to do is it'll take topics and essentially does like a word search. So they'll maybe Google a key word in the Bible, let's say you, 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 you Google the word slave or slavery or something the like, right? And they just mash it together and, and they read the verse and they'll give their opinion on the verse, maybe throw in some facts here and there. Mm-hmm. And but that's the extent of it. They'll just take that junk completely out of context. So, um, so for example, uh, so I'm on the website now and it says, I just dropped my my goldfish. <laughs> Your goldfish snacks. My goldfish snacks. I need those goldfish snacks. Anyway, sorry. So it, it talks about slavery. So it says, except for murder, slavery has got to be one of the most immoral things a person can do. Okay, let's stop there. Right there, they're, gi- they're, they're giving you not only an opinion, but they're asserting a thought into you as a presupposition to what they're about to read to you. So they're telling you 
that one of the most immoral things a person can do is slavery. They're they're giving you that as a mm-hmm. as a as a precursor to what they're wanting to sell you. So now, bam, this is what you have in your mind. Then they transition here. It says, yet slavery is rampant throughout the Bible in the Old and New Testaments. Bam. Hits you off with that fact. That there is the mention of slavery, yes. But they're, they're setting you up. So here again, it says, the Bible clearly approves of slavery in many passages. And it goes so far to tell how to obtain slaves, how hard you can beat them, and when you can have sex with female slaves. Okay, so it says many Jews and Christians will try to ignore the moral problems of slavery by saying that these slaves were actually servants or indentured servants. Many translations of the Bible use the word servant, bond servant, or manslave instead of slave to make the Bible seem less moral than it really is. Again, what we discussed in the translation, that's exactly the meaning of the word, meaning servant and bond servant. But right. yet they like to take things out of context. Right. Or manslave. You, yeah. The scripture was written in Hebrew. It was written mm-hmm. in Greek. So we have to use what its original meaning is. Mm-hmm. The English language is very limited in its scope. One, one of the most limited languages there are. So when we're reading in the English language... You may have a general word, like we talked about in previous episodes, the word love mm-hmm. has multiple different definitions, but in other languages like Greek and Hebrew, there are different words to specify the type of love you're talking about. Whereas in the English language, all you have is the one word, and you have to add a description to it. But when you're doing a word-for-word translation, it becomes very difficult mm-hmm. to add on to it without... without um, you know, making the translation eisegetical translation, you know, which which means that you're adding your your thoughts and your opinions to the translation. You want to be as close to the real translation as possible. So with that backdrop, anyway, we'll continue. Um, it says, while many slaves may have worked as household slaves, that doesn't mean that they were not slaves who were bought, sold, and treated worse than livestock, which we would not deny, mm-hmm. nor does the scripture deny that. And I find it very interesting that if when you go to our episode when we talk about the Bible, go to that episode, listen to it. So, you know, we talk about the history of scripture and the reli- reliability of scripture. But I think it's very interesting that because scripture was not written by one person, it was, it's, it's, an, it's an array of different books. It's a library of books that were put together for uh, uh, 66 books, 40 different authors written over uh, a scope of about 1,500 years to 2,000 years. And um, the fact that none of the authors really shy away from the reality of what was going on in that day. Historically. It's, it's, it's amazing yep. that no one's shying away. They're giving you exactly what's being said. So if you read that book and you're like, oh, man, this is terrible, of course you're going to you know, say certain things. But when you're the audience who understands what they are saying, there's no issues. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're the audience that doesn't understand what they're saying and you take what they're saying out of context, then you have a bigger problem. Now that's again that that's that's reading the 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 scripture from an eisegetical standpoint. You're you're inputting your thoughts and your definition into a passage instead of reading it in context or or exegeting the scriptures. What is the scripture saying? Who is the audience? Mm-hmm. Let's read it for what it is. If I send you a text message and 
I send G, uh, you know, me and G sometimes we go back and forth long text messages. And if I only read the center of his text message where he says, um, I'm exhausted. The meat of it could be like he got out of work. He worked long hours. He's going to have to postpone recording the podcast because he's exhausted. Instead, I read he's exhausted. And now I just add whatever I want to his text to say, oh, he's exhausted because he's doing X, Y, and Z, or he's tired of doing the podcast. Maybe we never do the podcast again. No, it's not at all what he said. I just read the middle of what he said. I didn't read the whole thing, nor did I care to uncover what he really means. And so when you read scripture, it's very important that you get context. Now, uh, to, to G's point um, here, he this uh, verse or whatever talks about, It says, in the following parable, Jesus clearly approves of beating slaves, even if they didn't know they were doing anything wrong. And it goes on to list the the verse in Luke chapter 12, verse 47 through 48. And in that verse, if you just read those two lines, yeah, it says, uh, but people who were not aware that they are doing wrong will be punished only lightly. Much is required from those whom much is given and much is required from those whom much is given. Wait, much is required from those to whom much is given and much more is required from those whom much more is given. And then that's all you read. You're like, oh my God. And you're just adding to it. Mm-hmm. You're just like, Jesus endures slavery or he endures beating people and all kinds of... What? Now, if you actually read it, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but go ahead and read Luke chapter 12, and in fact, if you, if you start at verse 35, but go ahead and read the whole thing. He's talking in parables. He's talking about leavened bread as, you know, compared to sin. He talks about being anxious. He talks about uh, the rich fool. Uh, he, he, he talks, I mean, there's so many things that he uses in parable form, and this is not, an ex- this is not exempt of it, where he talks about the return of, him, of the Messiah, He's talking about himself. He's essentially saying, I'm coming back, and I'm going to come back like a thief in the night. And he says this beautiful thing here. It says, he talks about servants. So when we are born again, our debt has been paid. Gio just finished talking about saying that slavery was a means to pay your debt, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you did. You paid your debt. Interesting is that we as people are so in debt to God because we're sinners and, and the punishment for sin or the payment for our, our, our trespasses is death. We can't pay it back. There's no way to pay it back. It's too much of a cost. We've disobeyed God. We've become his enemies. So the payment is death. Instead, Jesus comes, becomes a substitute. He pays our debt mm-hmm. And now us knowing that he's paid our debt, our response in worship is to serve him. Yet he calls us his children. That's the crazy part. That our response in worship is to serve, to be a bondservant, like Paul says, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus. But instead he calls us his children. Interesting about that is... As worshipers, we want to serve God. But sometimes that can be taken in the wrong direction where people then become slaves of 
men, meaning there's a pastor and they become a slave of the pastor. You know, they, they, they just say, I have to devote everything. I have to sacrifice my family stuff so I can serve the church and, and all those kinds of things because they feel like there's an obligation there. Where, well, in a sense, yeah, we feel there's this obligation, this innate obligation in us to serve God in whatever means possible because he saved us. He's made us his children. He's canceled our debt. He's repaid our debt. So instead of serving the old master of sin, we now serve our new master in freedom. We serve God. That's, that's, the ram, that's the thought behind it. That's the bigger picture is that we have been free from the slavery of sin, and now we are free to be in a relationship with God. But our response as worshipers of God, we say, you know, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I want to be a slave to righteousness. I want to be a servant of God because you have canceled my debt and you love me. And he looks at us. He's like, you're my child. You're my child. He calls us his children. He's given us an inheritance. It's crazy. So when you think of it in that way, when you understand what Jesus came to do and what what he's talking about, when you read the verse, he talks about his return. And he says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. He's talking about his second coming. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them (laughs) fire dude where the master comes he sees his servants awake and he's coming and when he comes he comes to serve them like what in the world doesn't even make sense that the master's coming to the servants and he will he will recline them at the table the feast, the great feast that we have. He's going to recline them at the table with a feast, and he's going to serve them. Yo, a position that we do not deserve, a place that we do not need to be in. We, are, we were slaves of unrighteousness, and now we have made ourselves, we have put ourselves at the disposition to say we serve you, God, because we love you and we, we're grateful to you for what you've done. But this website attempts to say, that Jesus endorsed slavery. Yo, I'm pissed off now. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I know we talked about briefly, we always uh, go over the topics where we're going to talk about and uh, what we bring into the table. But Mike mentioned this website and I couldn't believe it. And then he, he read it to me and I was just like, that's crazy. That's crazy because I see that every single day with people just taking things out of context. Or some Christians even will have a daily Bible verse app or something and then they'll just get one stuff like one verse and they'll be like god told me it's this and i was just like yo did you like read the whole text and like what's going on but they'll usually just focus on one thing and that's the problem with a lot of people they just like focusing on just one key word or just because jesus said beating automatically jesus is for beating done when yet he took a beating for us that's crazy (sighs) But one thing to note, uh, what Mike was talking about in that regard of we're servants, Paul usually always addresses every single church. I'll read from Romans 1, uh, the first verse. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. A servant. He usually goes even more in. He'll usually say servant, slave of Christ, because he's implying that now since he's 
free from sin, since Christ removed him from that, he is now a slave to Christ, meaning he's putting himself in servitude to Christ. But something also, just to go back, uh, to help people understand better the biblical views on slavery, God himself gives instructions on how to treat a slave. It's not the same as most people think it is now, like I said, or discussed uh, before. The harsh slavery is not the same as servitude. So here we have in Deuteronomy 15, 12 through 15, I'll read it briefly. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you, he shall serve you. Yeah, he shall serve you six years. And in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor and out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. And just looking at that, Israel themselves experienced harsh slavery for over 400 years. And yet some people, they like to uh, disregard some of the things that that even just uh, the racial tensions that goes on or even countries today that have slavery they'll automatically just say oh uh slavery was something of the past or slavery is still being promoted now in uh christianity because some of the people talk about slavery or not noticing that in a way with the things that are going on in the world today Christians during the time, especially during the reform time, they were fighting against slavery. A lot of them. Yeah, the abolition of slave trade. William yep. Wilberforce. Um, he was a uh, Christian, and 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 the key to mm-hmm. the abolition uh, abolition of slave trade. And people people always ask me, uh, it's like, oh, gee, uh, what's your views on slavery? And I know Mike knows it, like off the back of his hand and uh, some people usually I go in very historically but I usually always ask them a question when they ask me Gio uh, what's your views on slavery and slavery in the bible and I usually go like well do you allow slavery today and they'll usually respond with like no I don't allow slavery then because I'm Asian I usually go like well do you know I probably have some second or third cousin right now who made your phone made your shoes and it's literally getting no pay, sweating in a little sweat room. And probably he'll, by the end of the month, get like 50 cents compared. And then they'll be like, oh, no, because that doesn't really happen. But yet I'm like, well, you have countries like Sumer and uh, Dunbar, I believe, was the other country at the moment that still currently has harsh slavery. And they'll usually just stay quiet. But it's my response would be further would be I don't support slavery at all and the slavery you are implying is not the slavery which the bible talks about because if we're implying that slavery that what the bible is talking about then i'm a slave to my company which gets people in a certain way thinking but that's the point of everything you have to see the problem that's happening you take the things out of context or you look at something and automatically assume because someone says something or someone is doing something that everyone behind that person is automatically 
with it in line. Yeah, I like what you said. Um, you know, yeah, I can be a slave to my company. If 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 my so speaking specifically when you're talking about the servitude, you know, it's a voluntary. Mm-hmm. I'm going in to pay my debt essentially, and in order to avoid harsher consequences, here 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 I am. Use me, and um, and yeah, we we go into debt severely to the degree where we own a home and we own cars and all this thing and is, is on debt. It's all borrowed money. And in previous times, and if if we didn't have banks in a sophisticated system, we would have to go to somebody and they would be they would give us a loan and they would charge us a certain percentage. And if we don't pay it back, they'll just come to our home and execute our family. Or rape our wives, or or take our assets, which the government will do now. It's take your assets and sell them to pay themselves back. But there were more harsher consequences, and so um, you know we do the same thing now. You know we we become enslaved to to new phones. You know I want the I want the new thousand dollar phone. I want the it's it's so strange. I see people with the with the with the most um, how do I say this. Um, with with the you know they don't have the freest economic situation right so um they they have the newest iphones you know the mm-hmm. iphone 10 i guess now is that you know just or buying or the new stuff 10, yeah it's whatever X, it's called yeah uh the newest iphone the newest uh laptop the the newest car the they own this they own that and when you look at their debt ratio debt is significant should they be in a place where they can't work for a month unpaid they're done they lose everything and so we become slaves to the material possessions we have because we want more and we want we want uh we want things you know we want we want and and we're willing to go into debt for it and so we have to go to work we have to work the jobs we hate we have to deal with the boss that we don't want to deal with and we're committed to to a degree beyond our satisfaction we're not content we're not happy and in many cases we can't escape our circumstance because we made some decisions that have put us there and so positionally we have things but positionally we may not be much different we might be free to the mm-hmm. to the degree that we can go home and watch Netflix, but we're stressed out. We're we're angry. We're upset. We're dissatisfied. Perhaps in a way not too dissimilar to someone who's physically owned by someone else. I mean, it, it's strange to even say that because clearly we do not endorse slavery. We do not endorse any form of slavery, racial, sexual slavery. Right now. Mm-hmm. Sex slavery is the number one slavery right now. Yep. I get text messages every day from an organization that tells me when someone was saved from sex trafficking. Every day I see four text messages come in or one text message is that five people were saved from, from the Orlando Mall over here, the Florida, Florida yep. Mall. We think it's just because it's uh, somewhere else. We hear it in another country. We see movies, but not knowing that America is one of the biggest sex trafficking countries. Yeah. That's slavery. That's insane slavery. That's against people's will slavery. That's, you know, in, but in some cases, see prostitution, in some cases, 
that's voluntary slavery where they say, you know, I have bills mm-hmm. and I will sell my body and I, I will allow you, the pimp or whoever it is, I will allow you to own me for a period of time in order to pay these debts that I have. That's tough. No one wants And it's that. not even things. It's also uh, emotional slavery in the case where we want to be in the sense of happiness or get something or get an elevated state of mind so we invest so much time and we become slaves to time as well as well as slave to anything in the sense of social media uh cell phones if we don't get that text we don't get that like we don't get that uh comment we're automatically in a depressed state we're automatically wanting uh, a sense of freedom in our own regards because we want to be that fame or uh, reach that state. And, and scripture endorses and promotes freedom. That's what it, that's what it does. Yep. And not necessarily pushing a political movement to endorse freedom, but from the moral standpoint, when someone says, when someone uses the argument to say, slavery is wrong they're using the backdrop of a biblical worldview mm-hmm. to create that argument when you ask why is slavery wrong it's because you're putting a particular value on the human life which when we are ma- when we say we are made in God's image there is no higher value that you can put on a human life other than from the biblical worldview and I want to end it with this quote and do a further discussion after that, but it's going to be quick. Uh, a reverence once quoted, In giving laws to regula- uh, regulate slavery, God is not saying it is a good thing. In fact, by giving laws about it at all, he is plainly stating that it is a bad thing. We don't make laws to limit or regulate good things. After all, you won't find laws that tell us it is wrong to be healthy or that if water is too clean, we have to add pollution to it. Therefore, the fact that slavery is included in regulations of the Old Testament at all assumes that it is a bad thing which needs to be regulated to prevent the damage from being too great. And just that with itself, like Mike had discussed uh, earlier, Jesus came to remove all laws. He didn't, he's not saying he superseded the laws, but it was just to show that he has taken away all the laws of the Old Testament to show that he is freedom, that we are slaves to him, but we still have to be in regards to what what he talked about before in knowing that we are not slaves to sin anymore. We cannot be slaves to sin. We cannot be slaves to thinking that just because a certain thing or something was said, it automatically uh, uh, classifies everyone else. So always take note of that. Slavery is bad biblically. Yeah, yeah. And, and Christianity as a worldview sees that as true, that slavery is not acceptable. And while someone is in the circumstance, we might not have the physical power, the manpower to go and rescue someone physically, mm-hmm. um, but that their spirit would be lifted up in Christ and that and that Christ and his sovereignty would would be doing a work in people's lives and their situation wherever they find themselves 
if they're in a physical if they're in a place where they're physically enslaved where they're serving someone whether it's work slavery or sex slavery or 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 financial slavery whatever circumstance we find ourselves whoever's listening to this podcast there might be people who have been in slavery before and slavery is not a not a moment in time where we talk about black history mm-hmm. in America to say slavery was then, although that is something that we, we do need to acknowledge, and that is not a, a topic that you ignore at all. But it is part of a history of slavery, and the history of slavery continues until this day. And it is not acceptable. It is not something that should be celebrated but promoted. instead, yeah, instead it needs to be something that we, we, we can absolutely fight against injustice. Mm-hmm. It is good and to, we're fight called to fight injustice. against injustice. Yeah, we are called to fight against injustice. But the main objective for salvation is not necessarily law reform or taking over a government because that in it of itself does not necessarily save a person's soul. And we saw that when Israel was set free from the bondage of slavery, not only did they continue in sin in many cases, but in some cases we saw there was this removal of themselves from the presence of God. Like it, just because your physical situation has changed doesn't mean that you are now awakened in Christ or you have been reborn in Christ. Mm-hmm. I've seen people get healed of physical ailments, not Christian. I've seen people be, you know, in a place where they were drug addicted and no longer, they're not believers in Jesus. Like God saved them from that. They, during that circumstance, they pleaded to God, God, save me from this. God saved them from that thing. And yet they're, they're, they were not reborn. And that's something only God can do, right? Yep. Ultimately, as, as, as believers of Scripture, uh, only God can draw himself near to us and, 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 and rescue us from our enslavement. But from the human standpoint, as we look from that human perspective and we see the actions, you see people get healed physically. You know, I've seen no change. I've seen people walk in the spirit, talk in the spirit, speak in tongues and all kinds of stuff. No change. I've seen people get saved from their economic standpoint. No change. So just because, you know, one was in a terrible circumstance previously and now they're no longer in that circumstance doesn't necessarily mean they become servants of God. And I think that's the main difference is that God is saving people for eternal mm-hmm. purposes, not just the temporal purposes, although the temporal is real and and we don't negate the reality that God does save from temporal situations. But there's a bigger picture to that yep. and i hope i hope that comes across clear to whoever's listening yep. i hope i hope that makes sense um that's it that's all i got yep uh i want to finish with this i had a best oh i have a best friend who states it like this even though slavery harsh slavery has ended in most parts of the world there is still slavery so you have the slavery of death and the slavery of life and just like jesus said you can only serve one master so then who do you serve? All right. 
And I'll leave you guys with that. You guys can leave us a comment, leave us a like, uh, message us if you guys would like to talk to us further. You can contact us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram. Oh, Instagram. I forgot about yes, Instagram. We got Instagram or emails directly at proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. We want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Matthew Movement, Where Would You Believe? This is Geology and Mike the Baptist. That's me. Signing off. See ya. All right.